welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name is Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. All right, as we're making our way back to our seats, just want to introduce... Bill, who will be sharing the word this morning. Now, I've known Bill and his brother Akram for a, quite a number of years now, and um, I know that they've, uh, they, they are two youngish, amazing young men who've even travelled some parts of the world preaching the word of God. And um, we're in for a treat today, I'm sure not for any other reason otherwise than he's bringing the word of God and that is the most important thing I'm making you sound like a rock star aren't I but I know one thing that they may not be rock stars but you are stars for the rock so come up here let's give him a clap stars for the rock I appreciate that thank you I've got one actually thank you thank you too kind hello everyone Welcome to our corporate services. Because this isn't church, right? It's just a church gathering. Pastor Matt made sure I said that. Welcome, welcome. Um, Honour, absolute honour to be here. Sorry, I'm setting my timer. An hour and a half. Um, We'll set that up in a second. But uh, absolute honour to to bring the word. I never take it lightly. Ehab said, it looks like an Arab takeover this morning. It's Ehab and myself. But uh, I never take it lightly. I've had the opportunity to do it a little bit. And, um, and, uh, and it's, it's the Word of God. It's, it's powerful. It's living. It's active. It, uh, it knows exactly what we need at any given time. And, uh, and I just want to say that it's an honor to be able to bring the Word to uh, you guys and, and also to people that are more experienced in their faith, in the faith, in their walks with God. Um, so I, uh, I don't, as I said, I, I don't take it lightly. Um, also, by the way, thanks, Beth, for bringing the word last week. You set me up very well. Thank you. Very well. That was great. I was thinking about that all, uh, all week, which was great. Um, as we start, we'll, we'll go to some scripture. I'll let, let you know how the start was going to look a little bit. We'll, we'll read some scripture and then uh, we'll take a moment just to pray. Uh, and I don't want that just to be me praying. I want that to be us connecting with God and just, just honing in our focus. I know we're focused. I know we're ready. I know we're, we're not here to hear from me. I keep reminding my, myself that all week. No one's here to hear from Bill. We're here to hear from God. And I'll be preaching to myself more than I preach to anyone else this morning. So um, as we read the Word, if you're able to, let's stand. Uh, I like a little bit of old school type of reading the Word. So we've got two scriptures here. We'll start off with Exodus 33 on the left. Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp 
far from the camp and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Acts 3. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. Father, we thank you for the honour of being able to have your word first and foremost. We don't take it lightly. We don't take it as common. God, we thank you that it is powerful and it is alive and it is everything that we need at any given time. Father, I thank you that when I am reminded of who you are, the King that is seated on the highest throne in heaven, that we are nothing in comparison to who you are and yet you were fond of us and you gave your only son that you would allow us to see you to be with you, God, to know you, to know that we have eternity in heaven with you for the rest of what you would allow us to experience. God, as you sit on the highest throne in heaven, let us not forget that you are the King above every King. You are not a God that we don't know. You are not a person that is superhuman. God, you are the King and you have thousands upon thousands of angels singing worship to you day in and day out. God, what an honour it would be to be one of those angels just to worship at your feet and just to say, holy, you are God who is the greatest, who was and is and is to come. Father, as we come around your Word today, let us never forget who you are, the King the one on the throne seated high and lifted God and you in your wisdom and in your grace, you've given us the honour of being able to be seated in heavenly places with Christ. God, where are we? Where were we? Who are we that we deserve this? God, if it wasn't for you, we would have nothing. So Father, as we come around your Word, I pray that you would speak. I pray that you would open our hearts to hear from you, God, because we are here for you and you only. I pray this all in Jesus' mighty and precious name. Amen. 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 What an honour. I am consistently reminded of how small we are in comparison to where God is, who God is, and what part we have to play. We take it... uh, Sometimes we look at our lives, and, and I think if, if I'm going to be a little bit controversial today, which I kind of am sometimes, uh, is that we sometimes think of ourselves too much, yeah. 
we are too focused on ourselves. We are too focused on where we are going. We are too focused on what our calling is. We are too focused on how are we going to achieve what God wants us to achieve. And this is what I heard. And don't get me wrong, I believe in all of it. Absolutely believe in all of it. But we get so consumed. How often have we idolized where we're going? How often have we idolized or itemized, it's a weird word, how, how much have we itemized the presence of God? That service was great because we felt the presence of God or the presence of God was thick. I've never understood that, sorry. <laughs> we've itemized it. We've idolized where we're going and we've itemized an experience. We've itemized an emotion. We've itemized how does this make me feel? How does this make me look? How does, where will this take me? Will I grow? Will my business grow? Will my family succeed? So on and so forth. Oh, we, just, we could keep going. I found myself, as I said, I'm preaching to myself this morning. I found myself in that rabbit hole constantly, day in, day out. Years, maybe even, of just trying to get somewhere, trying to do something. And then God humbles me and he humbles us. And he reminds us that we wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for his grace. If it wasn't for his mercy, his sovereignty and his, his uh, knowledge of what was required and when it's required and what it should look like and how it should look like, he knows, not us. And then I've, I've, I've fallen into the trap a little bit of saying, uh, oh, I've walked with God. I, I've walked with God. I, I've been able to walk. And just taking that common, used it as, as, a, as a, a bargaining chip, so to speak, in some conversations with people in the church or in the, in the Christian community or outside of the Christian community. I've walked with God and just, I've looked at that arrogantly. I said, oh yeah, yeah, it's just like I'm walking with a friend. And then I read a scripture like this and I say, well, God, you're speaking to, to Moses as if he's your friend. And, and I've used that as the concept of, of reminding myself, oh, oh, God's just a friend. He is a friend. He can be a friend. He's the king above every king. And when we lose sight of who God is and we take it for, for granted, we treat it as common, someone that we just know something that we've just experienced. How much have we diminished what God can actually do in our lives and, and, and who God is and how much greater we can explain, I mean, if we even can, explain God. And in all of that, I'm reminded that being the king and sitting on his throne and doing what he does and receiving that worship and not being seen as common, God chooses to still be with us. He chooses us above anything. He chooses us and the moments that he gets to spend with us. Then we fall into the trap of transactional relationship with God, whereas, well, God, I'll come to you, but I need something. I come to you, but I'm expecting something. I come to you, but I need this answer. And how often 
Is that the main reason why we're drawn to God? God, I need something. I, I, to be honest, I've seen it too many times, even with just friends, how transactional relationships are. There is one unconditional love on earth, and that is the mo- love of a mother for a child. Us men, we are, we are required. We, we need to do what we do, right? I remember having that chat with Steve once. That the love of a mother to a child is probably the most unconditional love that we can find on this earth. It's not transactional. There's nothing that we can do that can change that, right? And yet we look at our relationship with God as transactional at times. If we go to the next slide, I, I want to sort of just go to, I've, I've put up a few notes here, right? Uh, and I just want to sort of go through the scripture of Exodus. And my focus is not actually on Moses in that scripture. My focus is actually on Joshua. Right? Joshua was right at the bottom. And it said that he never left the tabernacle. And we'll just go through where actually we, we see Joshua and, and when he's first uh, explained or, or mentioned in scripture. And that was in Exodus 17 where he's asked to lead the army of Israel in battle against the Amalekites. At this time, he's probably mid to late teens. He's not quite old at all. And he has been asked by Moses to gather up men to fight the Amalekites. He was trusted. And this is the story where Moses and Aaron and Hur go up onto the mountain and Moses doesn't actually fight. And, and the story is that he, Moses has to lift his arms up. Right? And if Moses' arms are lifted, then the army of Israel are winning. And the moment Moses' arms dropped, the army of Israel were losing. And so the story is that they, Aaron and her, from one side from the other, that's a whole different sermon that people have preached, where if you lift each other's arms up and support each other, uh, and, and the Israelites win, and Joshua wins. And that's the first mention of Joshua in Scripture. It's not, it's not like David, where David was mentioned that he had fought the bear and he'd fought the lion and done all of that type of stuff, and that was his preparation to beat and to, and to fight against Goliath. This is the first mention of Joshua. In, an arm, in, in, in leading an army in battle, in fight. Then we see that in Exodus chapter 19, God gives Moses the promise that you will be the special people, the priesthood, the royal nation. This is after he's obviously taken them out of Egypt and then somewhere in the wilderness, God knows where, so long as they obey. The promise from God. Joshua is watching all of this happen. He was the one that was fighting on against the Amalekites, and now he's hearing, based off what God is telling Moses, that you will be the special people. I'm going to make you something special. You will be the priesthood. You will be the royal nation. Joshua's listening. He's watching. Then we see that God gives the, Moses commands and laws across Exodus 20, right through to Exodus 23. God is giving commands how to live, how I want my royal nation to be. And Joshua's watching. God promises in Exodus 23 that he will send his angel, capital A in scripture, mentioning Jesus. He will send his angel to lead the people of Israel and to fight on their behalf. God then calls Moses to the top of the mountain 
And Moses decides to take Joshua with him. But we know that Moses is the only person at this time that was actually able to walk into the very presence of God. And so I look at it in my imagination of you've got all the people of Israel in in the Horeb, Sinai wilderness, hundreds of thousands of people. This is not a tent of like 10, 20 people, like, you know, men going out camping in tents, by the way, don't invite me to that. I won't go there. There's no bathrooms. There's no bathrooms. Come on. Right? You've got thousands of people, right, in the wilderness and the hundreds of thousands of people. They've got their tents. They've got everything that they need, right? And you've got Moses at the top of the mountain and he's experiencing what God is saying. And the Bible actually says that it's, it's like there's thunder, there's lightning. People are scared. They don't know what's going on. Moses is right there in the middle. And jo- Joshua's not allowed right there. But I, I almost see like Joshua's almost like in this middle ground at the halfway up the mountain. And he's sort of watching what Moses is doing and what's happening up there. And he's looking down and he's seeing these people. They're like having a party and they've built a golden calf. And they're going after this other made God. Because Moses, the Bible actually says, Moses delayed, they said. He, Moses took too long. We don't even know where he is. He took us out of Egypt, they're saying, and he took way too long. And Joshua was standing there, and he's, and he's looking at the encounter that Moses is having, and he's looking down, and he's seeing what these people are doing. And God tells Moses, this whole time God has been saying, my people, my people, my people. The first time where God actually says to Moses, your people, <laughs> through the blame, your people, go and check them out. There's something going on there. Right, And so Moses is coming down the mountain, meets Joshua, and Joshua thinks, let me, let me get in this and let me tell Moses exactly what. And he says, Moses, I'm hearing that it could potentially be war down there. I don't know what's going on. He could just hear. He could see, but he could just hear. It sounds like war. This is where it gets interesting. Because Moses says to Joshua, it's not the sound of victory or the sound of defeat. This is the sound of celebration. Joshua He's experiencing all of this. He's seeing what God is doing and how he's speaking to Moses and what he's promising for these people. And he, at this point, has been officially named as the assistant to Moses. And he knows that one day he would potentially be taking charge and lead of the people of Israel. And he's thinking, maybe I I can't just, I can't be in the presence of God, but I'm close enough. And I can't hear directly from God, but I'm hearing it through Moses. And I may be taking over this nation in the future. And he thinks, maybe I've heard from God. Maybe it is the sound of war. Can you imagine when Moses says to him, no, it's not. Joshua's probably thinking, where do I fit here? Where do I fit? I can't be up there. I definitely don't want to be down there. I can't hear from you directly, God. I'm hearing things wrong. Where where do I fit? What am I meant to do here? They go down. Moses goes to Aaron, says to him, what's going on? Why have you guys built a calf? Aaron completely throws blame. I don't know. These people, they wanted something. They wanted us to build something. So I just told them, give me your gold. I threw it in the fire and came out. Calf just popped out of nowhere. Cow. Right? I don't know. It wasn't me. So Moses decides in his anger, he, he, my, my, my Jew, Moses has come down with the Ten Commandments, right? Freshly written from the hand of God. 
He gets so angry, he breaks them. Sounds like an Arab, true Arab, right? Just breaks them, just throws them, right? And then says to the, says to the people, mind you, there's hundreds of thousands of people, but he's come to the front of the camp at this point. Right, so he's not speaking to everyone. He's speaking to Aaron and the people that are in that vicinity. And he says to them, whoever's on my side or on God's side, stand by me. And so all the Levites stand by Moses, right, the priesthood. And Moses says to them, get your swords out, go and sort them out. 3,000 people die that day. 3,000 people. I, 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 the Bible doesn't say Joshua was fighting in that. I, I actually think probably Joshua didn't, if I'm honest. I think Joshua was confused. Imagine all of this. Joshua was experiencing all of this. And Moses says, go and, kill the, go and kill the people that are not doing the right thing. Don't do that now, by the way. This is the Old Testament story. 3,000 people die. Absolute bloodbath. They go through with their swords and they kill people. Then what God does is God says to Moses, I'm not going with you guys. I can't do this anymore. It's Bill's paraphrasing. I can't do this anymore. Right? You guys, if I go with you guys, I'm going to kill you guys all. You guys are stiff-necked. You guys are arrogant. I can't do this. That part's actually scripture. And he says, uh, I will send, I will go before you. I will not go with you. I will be in front. I'm just not going to be in your midst. And, and Moses goes on and converses with God. And Joshua's hearing all this. And Joshua is now hearing from Moses, God's not coming with us. And so what Moses does is he takes his tent and he puts it far outside the camp, the Bible says, right? Quite far away. God clearly doesn't want to reside with us. So what I'm going to do is still make an opportunity to meet with God, not on the mountaintop. And I'm taking my tent and I'm placing it far outside the camp and that will be the tabernacle. That will be the meeting place. God has given, based off what Bev explained to us last week, God has given the instructions of how the tabernacle was meant to be built at this point. That was in Exodus 25, 25 to 26, so on around that area. He's told him exactly what's to be inside, the meaning, how it's meant to be built, the, 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 the measurements, the materials, everything has been set, but it hasn't been built yet. And so Moses realises that if we need to still meet with God, we need a makeshift tabernacle. And so Moses takes his own tent and puts it outside. And every time, we just read the scripture, every time he went to meet with God, everyone, I'm sure they were freaked out by this point, would stand and worship God from their own tent while Moses would walk into the tent and the pillar of cloud, which represented God's presence, would come to the front of the tent and God would speak to Moses face to face like a friend would speak to his own friend, someone who speaks to your own friend. And then Moses would leave. Moses would go back to the camp, but Joshua never did. Why did Joshua not leave? Some theologians and scholars say that there's a few reasons. Some, some say that he was acting as the gatekeeper. He was the one to be in authority to protect the tent, the meeting place of God with man. Right? Ensure that obviously there were people that were still nomads were going through the desert and try to make sure that at least that was protected, at least it was kept safe. What that asks me is, Bill, how well are you gatekeeping your time with God? How well are you protecting 
your time with God? Are you allowing anything to just come in the way of your time with God? The Bible clearly thought that being a gatekeeper was one of the most important roles in Jewish history. How well am I doing that? How well are you doing that? What are you allowing to come in between you and your time with God? Your tent of meeting. Other scholars say that he was predominantly there in the case that if Moses was not at the tent and God were to come down and want to speak, that Joshua would at least hear God. Joshua had no opportunity to hear it directly from God. But maybe he thought this could be the chance. If Moses had missed the call or Moses had missed the invitation from God to the tent, maybe, just maybe, I could hear from God. And at least if God spoke, we wouldn't miss what, he was be, what he'd be saying. God works, we know, in mysterious ways according to his own plan, according to his own timing, according to his own way of doing things. How flexible are we, the question is, to hear him in the way that he wants to speak? Are we so used to making sure that Moses, like Moses would only hear God on the mountaintop? Do we only think that we're going to hear from God when we come to a corporate service on a Sunday? Or when we go to our small groups once a fortnight or once a week? Or is there an opportunity to actually hear from God in ways that we might not be familiar with? But God in his sovereignty chooses to speak and we're just not ready. I'll put my two cents in and say, I'm no scholar, but I think that after everything that Joshua had experienced, he had no other answer. I don't know what to do, God. I don't know where we're going from here. I have no answer. I have no strategy. One day we're good. The next day we're not. One day we're killing ourselves. The next day we're building calves. The next day we're doing great and building and establishing a covenant with you. One day I'm seeing Moses encounter you on the mountaintop and on the same day he's telling us to kill each other. I don't know. I don't know God. Can I say that regardless of what draws us to meet with God, just make sure that it's consistent, that it's not transactional. Joshua was in the Old Testament. Joshua had no access the way that we have access to God. And yet he still made it a priority that I'm not leaving this tabernacle. He left the comfort of his family, the comfort of his family tent, the way of doing things, the convenience. He left that and said, regardless of whether he was acting as a gatekeeper, regardless of whether he was there for a specific purpose, God, I'm not leaving. It's that simple. I'm not leaving. It reminds me of when Jesus said to the disciples after a bit of a saga that went on, he said to them, he said, will you also go? And the disciples' response was, Lord, to whom shall we go? You only have the words of life. If we move to the second, uh, third slide, we'll be looking at our scripture from Acts. We see a man lame from birth, the Bible says, 
and he's carried to the temple each and every day. And he's carried to the temple predominantly at this point, the Bible says, to ask for charity. The man can't move, the man can't work, the man can't take care of himself. Unfortunately, that was his reality. We see prior to this that in Acts chapter 1, maybe only just a, a few months prior, we see that Jesus had ascended to heaven and the upper room prayer meeting starts in Acts chapter 1. We then see in Acts chapter 2 that it's the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit descends and baptizes everyone in the Spirit. And essentially, what we claim is the New Testament was born, or New Testament church was born, sorry. People are saved and people are added to the church daily. And then we see that maybe only a few days after this, Peter and John are heading to the temple for prayer. They had scheduled prayers in Jewish times. And the ninth hour is technically 3 p.m. in the Jewish timing. And so they are heading to the temple at 3 p.m. for prayer. The funniest thing is that this man has been laid there daily. Peter and John were going to the temple every single day. Right? This wasn't a once-off occurrence. They would have seen this man the day before, the week prior, two weeks prior, they would have seen him. Maybe during that time they actually had coins and just gave him something. I'm not sure. But we see a man here and he knows no other lifestyle. You feel for these people. There's no other reality. How often have we lived our life for so long knowing no other thing other than just our daily grind, our daily routine, our daily lifestyle? We've got to work to pay the bills. We've got to come home. We've got to do the house chores. We've got to go to sleep. We've got to wake up and we've got to repeat. Very similar to the lady with the issue of blood for 12 years. Knows no other reality at that point. Or the people that were classified as lepers and they had to stay outside of the city because no one could touch them. They could not be touched. They know no other reality. Yet this man here is sitting at a gate called Beautiful. The Bible actually says, uh, actually scholars, Jewish scholars say that, uh, that the gate of Beautiful that he was sitting at was about 23 metres tall. Not quite large, quite profound, quite, uh, quite uh, exuberant in the way that it was built. And it was sitting in between the outer court and the inner court of the temple. I wonder if when he was younger, his parents were actually taking him into the temple and laying him on the altar and saying, God, would you bring healing? And as the years went by and as things were not answered and healing did not come, that potentially they thought, let's not sit at the altar anymore or bring him to the altar. Let's maybe just sit in the front row. And from the front row, they moved to the back of the temple. And as the years went on from the back of the temple, the church just started to get bigger or whatever. Or for some reason, hope was diminished and no one knows what's going on and God is not bringing healing. And so slowly yet surely, he went from being laid at potentially the altar and now sitting at the gate that separates the inner and outer courts. How often have we allowed hope to diminish in our lives? And... After a while, we've just got so accustomed to the lifestyle and to the routine and the reality that God may not be coming through, 
The child may not be coming to Christ. The healing may not be there. The request is not being answered. And yet what happens is we forget the God that we serve, the king that is sitting on the highest throne. And what we allow is it's now, it's, it, again, see, it's transactional here. I'm not getting what I want, so therefore I'm just going to step back. Maybe this is not God's plan. Well, regardless of what God's plan is, that is not and never should be our focus. Our focus should be and set on Jesus, the king above every king. We see that this man is in the new, this man does not know that the veil has been torn. He's standing and sitting, he's been laid at the gate called beautiful, simply just asking for blessings, simply just asking for something to go on, for something to be provided so that he can just live his daily life and has absolutely no idea that the veil has just been torn a few months ago and access to God has been provided. How often do we forget the veil is torn and we have complete access to the throne of God. There's such irony. I love, I love reading scripture and seeing ironies. I love seeing that Joshua had no access. This man did. One did everything he could to get as close as he could to God. One man didn't realize he had access to God and was simply there just for the blessings. My biggest fear in my own life is that I become a Christian that simply seeks God for the Christian blessings and luxuries that come with the faith, that we could just do this, that we could just speak so confidently and arrogantly and, and, uh, and, and maybe from a good heart too. I'm not saying anything wrong. I'm not saying we're in sin. I'm just saying that we've just lost focus. That, I, that my biggest fear is that I lose focus, that it's, that it's not about being as close to God as I can each and every single day, that it's more of a transaction. That's my biggest fear for myself. I really love the, the, the scripture of, of Exodus that we just read because there's so much that I, I see in that. Mount Horeb was the location of where they were. Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, it's the same name. Some people say that Horeb was one face of the mountain and Sinai was the other. They've got their own meanings. One means sun, one means moon. I'm sure there's a whole series there that people could be preaching and maybe Bev might prophetically bring up. I'm not sure, right? Possibly. Um, sign me up. Right? There's something specific because in the Old Testament, meeting with God was solely focused on a time and a location. Time was when God called Moses for a meeting. Location was the mountaintop or the tabernacle. It wasn't something that we could freely walk into at that point. And I'm sure that around the campsite, I'm sure they did have campsites like people living in tents and whatever, around the fire and Moses is talking to Joshua and sort of just discipling him and as his assistant and he's saying, just 40 odd years ago, just down there, by that bush, I heard God for the first time. I was walking, I was shepherding the sheep of my father-in-law. Forty years prior to that point, I was living as a prince in the palace. Some people say he was one or two next in line to become the next pharaoh of Egypt. And he lived in this complete luxury, lived in this complete 
convenience. This is my life. This is what I'm doing. This is who I am. Something on the inside of him realized that his people were more important. God was calling him to something different, but he just didn't know what it was. And so when he... The saga happened and he killed an Egyptian man and he ran away and he saw uh, shepherds uh, attacking after that uh, or harassing some Jewish women that he went and he fought them. And I think he killed another person and this guy's a bit angry. And he just went out and then he left and he went to a place, I believe it was Midian, and he went and he submitted himself to a shepherd named Jethro. There's always context behind everything that happens in Scripture. And he submits himself to this man and he becomes a shepherd for Jethro's sheep. He went from owning almost everything in the palace and Egypt was, as people call it, the mother of the world. Ahab knows, trust me, he mentions it all the time. And what happens is uh, he had everything to nothing. Submitting himself to a man that he just met and taking care of that man's sheep. He didn't even have his own sheep. And for 40 years, he is shepherding another man's sheep, another man's flock. And he's consistently doing it. And he ended up marrying his daughter and it stayed within the family. And he just kept shepherding. Until one day he noticed that they know this mountain was called the mountain of God. Theologians say, they know that it was called the mountain of God, which this was all occurring in. So they never really went close. But he noticed that there was a grazing spot, commentaries say, that was actually quite good for the sheep. And so he decided to go towards that area. And then he saw the bush on fire. But the fire did not consume the bush. And so he was intrigued. And so he goes up, and we know the story God tells him to take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. I am who I am. He calls him out to go back to Egypt 40 years later. He's 80 at this point. 40 years in the palace. 40 years as a shepherd. Only to then ta- get taken back to the palace to take the people of Israel out of captivity. Right? And I'm sure Moses would have been sitting there talking to Joshua, old in his age. Joshua, just over there. I heard God for the first time. I don't know if you guys remember the first time that you heard God or experienced God. Some maybe you can't remember the last time you did. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But my focus today is to bring a message not for a moment, for now. It's not about a moment here in a corporate service, although we may have that later. It's about a moment that we can have with God every single day. Like Joshua, God, I want to stay as close as I can. I don't want anything else. I don't have the answers. I don't know where we are going. All I know is that if I'm as close to you as I can be, everything will be okay. That is the focus. That is the aim. Is Jesus enough? I question myself every day. Bill, is Jesus enough? Don't make it about anything else. Is Jesus enough? Days are struggles. Some days are hard. Some days are not easy. Some days it feels like you're killing 3,000 men. 
Some days it feels like you're watching from the mountaintop. Is Jesus enough? I love that when Jesus was born, the first name that was given to him was Emmanuel, God with us. I remind myself that God is so consistent in his word to himself. He swears by no one else but himself. He looks to his left, he looks to his right. There's no one there. And he says, I've never left. The truth is, is that we have. God's never left in anything that we've gone through. He's never left. Our mind has swayed. It's turned, it's moved. The focus has shifted. It's become blurry. I've used AI to help me with these images, right? Artificial intelligence to, with these images. Steve likes it. How often have we come artificially to God? Not genuinely. We can be honest. I'm honest with myself all the time. I ask myself these hard-hitting questions every single day. Are we genuine? Are we honest? Are we coming with a heart that says, God, I need you more than anything? Don't worry about the answer now. Don't worry about my prayer request now. Don't worry about anything now. God, I'm here to be as close to you as I can be. Nothing else, no other agenda, no other priority. I just want to be with you. take a moment in a, in a few minutes just to sort of spend with God. We'll have the prayer team up and it will be great. And you guys want to come and get prayer for yourselves, for your families, for your mindset. You want to come back to that point. Whatever it is. I remember about 10 months ago, God challenged me on this. About 10 months ago. And it was in a moment where I'd done all the Christian disciplines in my room, whatever, and I'd read my Bible and I'd played some worship music and I'd done all of that type of stuff. And, and I was thirsty. So I finished what I did and I left my room. Got a bottle of water, came back, closed the door. As soon as I closed the door, you know that moment when you, when it, you close the door and you're like, I'm not alone. In that moment, in a split second, it's amazing how, the, how God allows the mind to work. In a split second, I went through these waves of, wait, what do you mean I'm alone? What do you mean I'm not alone? Someone's here. I remember, I think it was for the next 40, 45 minutes, I was just on my knees, my face to the ground, just in complete surrender to God because I had taken common what God has given us access to. And I just read the word, although this is the most important thing we could ever have. I read it, I studied it, I worshiped. I did what I thought was required. Was my heart in the right place? Sure, absolutely. But I had taken for common the fact that we have the opportunity of worshiping a king worshipping a God that is seated on the highest of thrones. And we have taken Him for common. Taken that 
It's just someone I know. The beauty is that the Old Testament meeting with God was required in a time and a location. As I mentioned before, it was a time and location. The New Testament covenant is the fact that God lives within us. The time is whenever. The location is in here. If we go to the next slide, we have a quote from a guy, a fourth, fourth. Uh, I, don't, I actually don't know which time frame he was in, but his name is Father Macarius, and it says, Within the heart are unfathomable depths. There are reception rooms and bed chambers in it, doors and porches, and many offices and passages. It is in the work, it is, in it is the workshop of righteousness and of wickedness. In it is death, in it is life. The heart is Christ's palace. There Christ the King comes to take his rest. And he dwells there, walking within it and placing his kingdom. The heart is but a small vessel and yet dragons and lions are there and there are poisonous creatures and all the treasures of wickedness. Rough, uneven places are there and gaping chasms. There likewise is God. Their life and the kingdom, their light and the treasures of grace. All things are there. God has chosen to make His palace in our hearts in all the stuff that we've got, in all the issues that we face. Let us not take that for common. Let's stand. Let's remind ourselves of who God is. Let's remind ourselves of the honour that is of being able to walk with Him because of what He has done for us. We don't take you for common, God. We don't lose sight of who you are. Father, let it be that we are in submission to the King every single day. We trust in you because you are worthy to be trusted. Father, we know that you are worthy, not because we say you are, but because you are who you are. Your love never fails. Your mercy is new every single morning. Your grace is sufficient. And even when we do face things, God, I pray that our focus is not on the issue, our focus is on the King. God, we know in your timing and according to your plan, you are sovereign and you will move. You are sovereign and you will answer. You are sovereign and you will come through. And we know that you will because you have. And you promise that you will. But God, let it never be a transaction. Let it never be an agenda, an achievement. Let our eyes be solely focused on you, God, in the uneven gaps in the gaping chasms of our heart, Father, would You be the focus? And would You find us in our issues, in our, in our pain? And let us see 